Hello there. Welcome back. I'm Pastor Lars Hammer from Lord of Grace Lutheran Church here in Marana, Arizona. I want to welcome you back to the Walk Through the Psalms Bible Study. Today, we're going to take a look at Psalm 78. We're going to begin Psalm 78, which is a big, long psalm. We are only going to look at the beginning of it. And uh, part of that is just as a matter of time. Uh, part of that is also uh, the nature of most of the psalm, which is a retelling of pretty much the whole Old Testament up through the Exodus. So let's get started then without any further ado and take a look here at the first four verses. So we'll read these through in the New Revised Standard Version. If you got your Bible, read along at home. Otherwise, I will read it out for us. Here we go. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their children. We will tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. Okay, this is how we're going to begin. We're going to begin this big, long psalm with this. Essentially a sort of a pay attention, everybody. So the image you get is kind of the psalmist, is maybe an older uh, gentleman uh, or woman, it doesn't really say, but somebody who's older, who knows the stories, who knows the traditions, and is telling everybody, hey, listen up. Listen up, people. Um, and listen to what I got to tell you, because I'm going to speak in a parable, verse 2, which is kind of an interesting thing to say. You know, when Jesus talks in parables, we understand that what Jesus is doing is making up a story and that that story t conveys a truth. It tells not just one point, usually many points, and it is designed to challenge us to rethink. It's designed to sort of flip on our heads what is conventional wisdom. That's what parables do, right? They're, they're, they're kind of designed to poke you in your spiritual life and you know, the, the good Samaritan, where the Samaritan who you're supposed to hate turns out to be the one who does the good deed, that kind of thing. Well, why is he using the word parable here? Uh, because the story that we're going to be get at, getting after this is not a made-up story. It's the story of the Exodus and creation and God's people. It's not a sort of a, let me tell you a tale of a guy going down the road. It's not that kind of a story, and yet... That same word, parable, is what the translators use. You got to understand when looking at the Old Testament that they just were not looking at it literally. And in a sense, everything that happens, all of history, is, this, is the story of God's work, the story of what God does, the story of people struggling to follow what God says, that all of history has a religious point. There is no secular history. Everything that happens somehow has God involved in it in some way, shape, or form. So that's the first thing. God's involved in it. But the second thing, uh, the second thing to remember is that even history itself was not just raw data. It's lessons and points to be learned, and God doesn't always do things the way we expect. Uh, so history itself can be challenging, can flip our conventional understandings on its head. Uh, and so the psalmist, the person singing this song, playing the harp, doing what they're doing, is saying, okay, 
listen up. I'm going to tell you a story. And the story is not just raw data. It's a story for you and for me. And it's a story where there's lots of takeaways. And it's, I'm going to challenge you to listen up. Right? I will, uh, verse 2. I will utter dark sayings as of old. Now, I know if, if you've been watching, you know, Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones or whatever, whenever you get to one of these sort of medieval fantasy type worlds, when people have dark sayings, it's, it's what? It's an evil magic spell. It's uh, something that should not be uttered anymore. Some dangerous words that were, that were pushed aside. Uh, some sort of, you know, oogie boogie thing that the ancestors finally squashed, right? How many books have started, how many stories and fantasy stories have started with, and somebody pulled out the old dusty book, and the dusty book had dark sayings from of old, and they opened it up, and they blah, 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 whatever they say, and then boom, you know, bad genie or demon or Satan or dead body or whatever rises up, right? And they end up unleashing something they're not supposed to. I, I, I only say that because that's not at all what the psalm is doing, but I know that's at least where my mind went. And I think a lot of us, when we hear a phrase of dark sayings, we tend to imply that they're bad. I don't think that in this case with the psalmist, that's at all what the psalmist is saying. The sayings are just dark sayings because they haven't seen the light of day for a while, because people haven't been saying them, reading them, reciting them. They're good sayings. They're saying straight from God, but they've been there a while and people haven't been paying attention. So listen up. I'm going to tell you guys sayings that everyone's going to hear. I'm going to open up the dusty book, but in this case, the dusty book that I pull out is God's words and the story of God with his people. But it's just a story that everybody's not been paying as much attention to these days. So listen up, right? Verse 3, things that we have heard and known that our ancestors have told us. Ah, see? The wisdom of the ancestors. We have known it. Notice the tense, right? We have known it. You know, it's stuff that was conveyed to us. And here verse 4 is kind of an interesting one. We will not hide them from their children. We will tell them to the coming generation. Or we will tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might. Okay, we won't hide them. That's an interesting line. I, 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 that kind of caught my attention for a little bit. Who hides the story of God's great deeds from their children? Well, probably most of us parents these days, right? We don't take an active role in personally leading Bible studies. We don't sit down and do our own devotions over the dinner table at night. Uh, if the story of God's work happens, it's probably not because we're sitting as a family at the dinner table sharing how God has been at work in your life today. If anything, we don't talk about it because, well, maybe we are kind of uh, hiding it from our kids. Maybe we're embarrassed, right? All right, kids, we're going to talk about David today. Do we have to? This is stupid. Religion sucks. None of my kids go, friends go to church. Wah, 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 wah. Gripe, 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 gripe. And then you as a parent feel self-conscious. And then you go, oh, I'm so busy and tired. I don't want to fight the fight anymore. Uh, I guess I won't tell it to them anymore. Who cares? They can figure this out themselves. I think we do that. I think we hide the story of God from our children 
because we're embarrassed, because we're ashamed, because we don't want to listen to their griping and groaning and the eye rolling and the... I think way too much parenting these days is done with a preemptive fear of teenager disapproval. I can tell you as someone with multiple teenagers, you will get disapproval no matter what you do. Don't live in fear. Uh, you might as well just go ahead and do it. But the story of the faith isn't coming. But this psalmist is saying, things are changing. Things are changing. We are not going to hide them from the kids. I don't care how many eye rolls we get. We are not going to let the story pass. We are not going to let the story of God's grace and God's wonderful work in our lives just go away. We are going to tell it. And we're going to tell the coming generation. You know, and right? Some things don't get old. The coming generation needed to know. 3,000 years ago, the coming generation needs to know today. And needs to know what? That they're going to hell? No. The wonderful things that God has done. It's a positive message. That's what we want to tell over and over, is that positive message of what God do, has done. Okay. Let's keep going here. Second half of this. We'll read verses 5 through 8. He established a decree in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach to their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and rise up and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, and that they should not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. All right, there we go. Um, this is getting back to it, right? We're not going to be ashamed. We're going to tell the story. What is the story? Okay, God established a decree, a law. God gave the law to Israel. He didn't give it to Jacob. It, the law, the actual giving of the tablets would come a few generations later, but but he, he gave us the law, right? So it's beginning. God gave us this law, and God gave us this command. And what was the command? That we would teach it to our children. And that is very explicitly in there. Teach it to your children. Wear it on your forehead. Put it on your doorpost. There's very clear prescriptions. Recite it when you wake. Recite it when you go to bed. There's a very clear prescription of how to teach this law. Uh, it's not just left up to you to have to be a curriculum development specialist. Right? Teach it so that they will know, right? So the next generation will know. Um, so that, in verse 7, they put their hope in God. That's why we're teaching them, not institutional preservation, but so that they can have a worldview that ha is hopeful and is godly, because our God is a God of hope, and so that this can be their worldview, one that hopes in God's saving grace, that has a hope in God's wonderful works. That's what we're trying to raise up. That's the kind of kids we're trying to raise up. And that is the effect that will happen when they learn God's commands and decrees. Right? We don't want them. So notice, verse 7, so they, they not forget the works, but keep commandments. We forget to keep, we quit keeping the commandments when we lose faith that God's going to follow through on what his works. 
right? That's the human equation, that calculation, selfish calculation that we always make that says, well, why should I bother making these sacrifices and following these ethical rules and giving up pork and all these other things? Why should I give up anything? God's not going to follow through. It won't make any difference in the future anyways, right? Might as well just live for the day. Remember, instant gratification is often one of the biggest obstacles to faith, one of the biggest temptations. It isn't vice per se, it's anything that promises an instant gratification. Instead of a deep examination and repentance, a long-term view, honest self-examination, those kind of things, oh, that's hard and uncomfortable. Instant gratification, right? So we teach them the words of God so they don't forget what God has done so that they will be hopeful, so that they will have patience, so that they will continue to carry this on even when it looks like God's not uh, with them. All right. And, right, verse 8, so they don't be stubborn and rebellious, right? Because, you know, why listen to that stuff? I'm going to do what I want, right? We become stubborn and rebellious when we stop believing that God's going to make it better. In the Exodus, right, the people got out of Egypt, they got into the desert, and the first thing they did was gripe about the water, and they griped about the food, they griped they didn't have meat, gripe, 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 right? And they became stubborn and rebellious. That was like the first thing they do instead of being grateful. And they could even remember, they were the first generation, they remembered what it was like living in Egypt under slavery. They still just gripe, 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 right? Those who remember the wondrous works of God do so so that we can remember not to gripe. Um, who's, and don't be the generation whose spirit was not faithful to God. All right. It's not as long a one today. Let's see here. There we go. That's what I got. Remember to teach the word of God so the children will be hopeful. And um, so... I hope that's been helpful to you. I hope it's been useful. Leave me a message. If you have any questions or concerns, anything you'd want to pray about or look into deeper, just let me know. I'm here. I hope you have a great week. God bless.